And we want you to pick up a visitor bag. They're bright yellow bags. They're in the narthex. Uh, one of the ushers, and they will get one for you. So we're so glad that you're here. And also, those of you who are worshiping with us online, we are glad that you are here with us as well. You can sign the friendship pad. Um, You can pass it down. It's there on the aisle. If you're online, you can sign the friendship pad um, that is there online for you to sign. So we want to know that you're here so that we can reach out to you Um, and just know that you're here with us. Uh, Reminder that we are having communion today, and I'll just remind you that we're back to having um, the little uh, cups and the bread, and so when the communion comes to you, if you will hold on to your piece of bread, and then I will give the motion when everybody has been served, and we will partake of first the bread and then the cup together. There are about 80-plus of our family that are not here this morning. They are at Nakomi, and they are worshiping now, too, and so we can feel them in spirit, in the air, and we hold them at our hearts and our prayers, and we just we pray that they have had a wonderful weekend um, there at, at Camp Nakomi. So, so many families uh, are there, uh, and so we just hope they've had a great time. Joy Prom for our special needs community was Friday night, and it was a big success, and a special thank you to all of you who volunteered or who participated in Joy Prom. Uh, That is a big event for the special needs community in Memphis, and if you've never volunteered for it, you should do it. Uh, You should do it because it's a wonderful experience, and lots and lots of people, hundreds of people participate in that. Special thank you to Jackie Williams, uh, who is our special needs director, and all of her volunteers that helped to make that a success. Vacation Bible School is coming soon. It's going to be the week of June the 6th, and it's going to be in the afternoon. We think that that's going to really allow for more participation um, from families. And so it's going to be from 4 to 7 Uh, the week of June the 6th. So look online to register your grandchildren and your children and also to volunteer uh, to help with Vacation Bible School this year. We're very excited about it and want you to be as well. We are going to have two joining Sundays in the month of May, the 15th and the 22nd. So if you are interested in being a part of our family of faith, then um, just let Amy Phillips, her contact information is in the bulletin, and let her know which of those Sundays work best for you. Again, it's May 15th and 22nd, and that will take place in the Sunday school hour, beginning at about 940, and we will be in the parlor. So just let Amy Phillips know which of those is better for you. Evening worship is going to take place tonight in Warren Hall, as usual, and we invite you all to come back and participate in the evening worship service. I think that's all of our announcements. So let us now take a deep breath and to still ourselves and still our souls and prepare ourselves for the worship of Almighty God. Please stand as you are able and join in the call to worship. Christ is risen. Christ is risen Hallelujah. Celebrate God in this sacred space and in all places under heaven. Praise God with a fanfare of trumpets. Praise God with tambourines and dancing. Praise God with flutes and harps. Praise God with cymbals and drums. Let everything 
the Lord is near. The Lord promises to hear our prayers and respond. Let us then come with confidence before the Lord our God, confessing our sins to Almighty God and to one another. Let us pray. Holy God, in the light of your glory, we see the evil we have done, the suffering we have caused, the good we have refused, and the truth we have denied. Heal us of our sin, wash us in your mercy, and feed us with your grace, so that we may follow your way and tell the good news of the gospel. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of the one who lives and moves among us, I declare to you that you are forgiven and freed to love and serve the Lord our God in all the world. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward for the children's message, I invite you to greet each other with the peace of Christ. sit right up right up here right up here are there other children with us this morning welcome kiddos welcome I want to ask you a question this morning what is hope hope yeah That's right, that's right. It's what you really want to happen. Sometimes we will hear people say, I hope this will happen. Like, I hope we get to go to Disneyland, right? We hope that something might happen. So that kind of hope is sort of like flipping a coin. So it's kind of like, I hope that this will land on heads. It didn't. Landed on tails. I'm going to try one more time. I hope this will land on tails. It did not. It landed on heads. So that's the kind of hope that sometimes we think about. We hope. We wish. Right? But there's another kind of hope. And it's a hope that has certainty in it. And so it's a hope that... Uh, we, can, we have our hope in God, so we trust in God for all that we need. It's the kind of hope that I hope when I throw this ball in there to come back down. Right? Are we, do we, are we pretty certain that's going to happen? Okay, let's see. Oh, it did! It came back down! So that's a certain kind of hope, right? That's the kind of hope that we have That God is always with us. That's how we can hope in God. We are, whoops, (laughs) we are certain that if we toss it up in the air, that it's going to come back down. And so I want to share a scripture passage with you that helps us think about how we hope in God. This passage comes from Psalms, so let us listen to this psalm. For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from God. God alone is my rock and my salvation, and I shall not be shaken. Will you pray with me? All right, repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your son Jesus. 
Thank you for always giving us hope in you. And help us always to follow Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You can go be seated. Let us turn to God in prayer. Spirit of the living God, you've gathered us into this holy space so that we may worship you. Now we pray that you will still our minds and our souls that we can plainly, clearly hear your word for us this morning and then know your will for our lives. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Friends, there are seven Sundays in Easter. Today is number three. Easter Sunday, last week, that brings us to number three. Now, last week we did not introduce a new sermon series for y'all because that would have meant asking our seniors to introduce the sermon series. And what we really wanted to hear was their messages for us. And so we were really blessed to have the seniors preach for us last week and to receive the new confirmands as new members of the church. So that brings us to the third Sunday of Easter, and I will then introduce this new sermon series for us today. It's going to be based on the book of Revelation. Really. We're going to look closely each week at the passage for the week, and then we're going to consider... In this light, how we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to live with the end in mind, to live in hope. As a way of introduction, let me tell you about a man named John. Not John the Apostle or John the son of Zebedee, but John, who is a writer, who is a visionary, who is a seer, and so much more. John is there on the island of Patmos Patmos in the Aegean Sea. He's a Jewish Christian. He's maybe a pastor. But he's writing to congregations on the mainland of the western side of Asia Minor that he's familiar with. These are congregations who have been faithful, but they are frightened there in the western side of Asia Minor. Now, we can imagine that John is riding under the very dim light of an oil lamp as he paints this picture of the visions that he has been given of the world that is and the world that is to come. His book of letters and visions were sent to these hardy churches, and they have stood strong already through persecutions and heresies and many temptations but now knocking at their door are evil forces, encroaching on the domain of God's kingdom, and the people must stand strong again with patient endurance. And at any cost that the overwhelming pressures to yield to accommodation and compromise might bring. With this in mind, let us hear God's word to us. Reading from Revelation 1, starting at verse 4. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priest serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account all the tribes of the earth will wail. 
so it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother, who share with you and Jesus the persecution and the kingdom and the patient endurance, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamon and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Journeys, no matter how well planned or how confusing they become, all have a beginning and a middle and an end. Just like a good story, journeys eventually move in a linear manner, even if they have a lot of spirals woven within them. So was my family's journey from Arkansas to California the summer of after my fifth grade. We began the journey at our home in the wee hours of the morning, something about we needed to avoid the traffic in Conway, Arkansas. <laughs> our final destination was to return back home in about two weeks' time. It was the kind of trip that many of my friends and their families went on at some point in their family lifespan with one purpose, to take us kids to Disneyland. And while I don't know about other families, I'm pretty certain that this one two-week trip sealed the deal for my family to never take another two-week road trip. Five of us piled into our black Ford station wagon with all of everything that we thought we needed was in the back. It really was a Chevy Chase kind of family vacation adventure. From Arkansas through Oklahoma and Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and finally, finally arriving in California. And then after going to Disneyland, which I loved, and some side trips to Knott's Berry Farm, and then we went up north to visit some of my dad's cousins outside of San Francisco, we started home. Another three-day, three-night trip along the way, traveling the two-lane highways because there were no interstates then. On the way home, we traversed here and there. We saw more wonders of the world, like Las Vegas and Death Valley and the Grand Canyon. Ours did have a beginning, a middle, and an end, but there was no straight line. My brothers and I have lots of memories, not all of them good. Many memories not even alike. There were great joys and trepidation, some highs and lows, and maybe a few tears from the youngest of three. But two favorite memories that I have were the teacup ride at Disneyland and the chip chocolate angel food cake with chocolate chip ice cream at, you can only get at the Howard Johnson Motor Lodge in Texarkana, Texas. I share this family road trip with you because when I read through the book of Revelation, I feel as though I'm once again on some sort of cosmic, magical mystery tour across unknown vistas and going towards something that I'm not at all certain about, not at all certain that I really want to keep adventuring through, for there are so many visions, mystical battle scenes, and terrible plagues. But such is the nature of the writings of the apocalyptic genre. It's a genre that's difficult for us to define, in part because we really don't have contemporary examples of it in our literature. Now, there are modern books and movies from writers who do have prolific imaginations, 
Some claim to have visions about the future, specifically about the end of the world and when it will happen. Most of those are in innovative interpretations of the book of Daniel or the book of Revelation. So why study it? Why is it even canonical? Why is it so popular? Who is the author, the seer of these visions? What's his message? What's his purpose? How do we study it? Why is it in our Revised Common Lectionary coming at us for this Easter sermon series? So let's buckle our seatbelts and begin our journey. Book of Revelation, here we come. I'm going to begin with sharing with you four key ideas that we're going to find in the book of Revelation. It's a journey of radical hope and transformation. It's a journey filled with songs of praise to God. It's a journey with visions of new life. It's a journey into the very heartbeat of God and God's dream for our world. So to answer the why study it question, it's because there are relevant messages that are just as important for us as they were for the first century Christians. Now, how to study it is another question. So I'm going to share a few guiding principles. We must always keep in mind the historical context of the writing. First century oppressive Roman Empire and its government. We must recognize that while there are a wide range of possible interpretations of Revelation in play, we aren't supposed to use an anything goes kind of interpretation. We should instead take the opportunity to look beyond the literal approach. We should look deeply at the metaphors and the visions and the beauty that is within, and then discover God's message of hope. We should indeed embrace this message of hope instead of getting sucked into a vortex of fear that has long been associated with the book of Revelation. We should explore the sense of urgency for God's realm. And finally, we should recognize how the book is to be read and studied and interpreted in community, just like we are doing here for the next few weeks together. For that is how these seven congregations would have read and heard the Revelation together. Another important reason for us to study the book together is that we already know that it is not an easy read. The seer, the author... The pastor is also a poet, and he fills his writing with metaphor and symbolism and imagery and illusion, all so that his readers and hearers of the letter can be brought into the presence of Jesus with belief and adoration. Another why study it is because it's canonical. It is in Holy Scripture. It is a part of God's Word to us. It's a part of the story of God's love for all people, each one of us made in God's holy image. And therefore, just because it can be difficult to comprehend is no reason to avoid it. We should learn its meaning for us today. So what might the author's purpose be? Where are we going in this journey? Back to Disneyland? No, no, there is a purpose. The purpose is to strengthen the faith of the members of these churches to which it is written by giving them the assurance that deliverance from evil forces all around them was close at hand. And in so doing, he was blessing them with a message of hope. This John was confident that the great day of divine intervention would occur within a relatively short time frame. But he also knew that the people would face many terrifying events in their lifetime. And so he writes in order that they will prepare themselves 
for a certain time when their faith would be severely tested, even more so than what they had already experienced. And so he writes in a genre that they are familiar with, the apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic means unveiling or revelation. The revealing to the weary people, then, is a renewal of hope. What revelation is not is a prediction of the end of the world or the exact time and date that our Lord and Savior will return. That's not its intended purpose or its message to the early Christians or to us. Honestly, to think that we can know or predict when Christ will come again is not only arrogant, it's foolhardy. It's even dangerous. It can lead to apathy and laziness in the face of crisis, in the face of world crisis. One thing we know for certain, God has not called the church, the people of God, to be sideline spectators in any kind of crisis or chaos. Instead, we are called to be agents of healing and hope and justice over and against the forces of evil and destruction. We are called to be the very ones, as the prophet Isaiah writes, to rebuild destroyed houses, to be repairers of the ruins, to be restorers of streets to live in. What the book of Revelation does, however, is convey a message of hope that God will triumph over evil. That's really a strong message throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. According to the Gospel of John, Jesus said this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And while we are still fervently praying for and with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, those who fled and those who've stayed behind to fight the oppressive Russian government, we've also been blessed to take part in actions of restoration and hope as we've come together and we've given offerings and we've had a special worship service for the Ukrainian people. And over the course of just a few weeks, we have raised over $11,000 that will go to aid their relief, to care for the Ukrainians in despair, and to give them a sense of renewed hope and to eventually begin to rebuild their lives and their homes, their streets, and their places of worship. Yes, Revelation is filled with veiled language acknowledging the terror of the empire. It names Caesar and the Roman military and the government establishment with colorful, dreamlike, terrifying language. But over and against this vivid imagery, there is this simple theme that runs throughout a message to the Christian church then and now. Don't give up. Hope is coming. Victories will be yours in the end. Have patience. Endure suffering. Persevere. Read in that light, the book of Revelation becomes much less a book about the end of time and more a book filled with encouragement for the people who first heard it and for us today. The writing was intended for those early Christians to be assured of God's presence with them, come what may, and the same is true for us. They were to hear their calling, to stand firm in their faith in God, in Christ Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, no matter what. Living with the end in mind was their calling, and it's the message that we can clearly hear and comprehend we too can live with the end in mind. We too can hear our calling to hope. What this means is that everything that we do is with the foreknowledge that Christ reigns, that Christ is Lord and Savior, that Christ came, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ 
will come again. Friends, no matter the twists and turns, the sights and sounds that we take on this cosmic, even magical mystery tour to the book of Revelation, no matter the demands our study will make on our intelligence and our imagination, we will, as biblical scholar Eugene Peterson writes, be richly rewarded, for our worship of God will almost certainly deepen in urgency and joy. Did you hear in my family's vacation story that we came back home? While we circled all around, home was our final destination. The same is true in the book of Revelation. With bold confidence, the author challenges us to lean into our imaginations as we hold on to hope. Because we, like him, have knowledge of how the story ends, that God will triumph over evil, and that in the meantime we are called to live in hope. Now, I don't usually skip to the end of a book. When I'm reading, I like to read it from beginning to end, page by page. But I want you to hear this morning where we are going, that we will come back home because we know for certain that our God reigns. So I want you to hear the last part of the book of Revelation. This is from chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit producing its fruit for each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I'm going to read that line one more time. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no night, there will be no need of lamp or light or sun. For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is a wonderful message as we approach the Lord's table this morning and as we go forth back into the world. It is God in Jesus Christ that has prepared this table for it. It is God in Jesus Christ who loves us. It is God in Jesus who has already freed us from our sin. It is God in Jesus who will come back again with the clouds to finish the work that Easter unleashed. Thanks be to God. And to God be all glory, honor, and praise. All that we have and all that we are gives to us from Almighty God. And after we have been blessed to hear God's word read and proclaimed, this is our opportunity to respond by the generous and joyful giving of our tithes and our offerings. And so I invite the ushers to come.
Please be seated. He was always the guest. In the homes of Peter and Zacchaeus, Joanna and Susanna, Mary and Martha, he was always the guest. But at this table, he is our host. For this is the table prepared for us by Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So whether you are joining us online or whether you're here in the sanctuary, you are all invited to come to the table that Jesus has prepared for us. This is the table that God intends for you to be nourished and the table where Christ intends to make you new. Let us now turn to God in prayer. Eternal God, our creator, you formed us in your image, loved us with an everlasting love, and graced us with gifts for serving. And so we praise you and give you thanks. Remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, we take ordinary bread and wine from the gifts that you have given us and pray that your Holy Spirit be poured out upon them as we celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Jesus Christ. By your Spirit, unite us with the living Christ and with all who are baptized in his name, that we may be one in ministry in every place. As this bread is Christ's body for us, we pray that we may be the body of Christ in the world, sharing Christ's mercy and forgiveness, compassion and kindness and hospitality with everyone we meet. Almighty God, we lift up before you our prayers, our concerns for the world. We pray that we may be good stewards caretakers of all that you have blessed us with. We pray for world leaders and national leaders and state and community leaders. Especially we continue to lift up before you, Almighty God, the people of Ukraine. We pray that your shield of protection will be over them, and that your tender care will provide for their need for each day. We're so thankful that we've been able to help them financially and pray that more opportunities will come our way to be the hands and the feet of Jesus for them in this dire time in their lives. Holy God, we pray for the church universal called into being by you, Lord Jesus. We pray for this body of Christ here at GPC for our leaders and laity and staff. Continue to lead and guide us all according to your will. Holy Spirit, we lift before you those who are ill today, those who are sick at home or in the hospitals, those who are recovering from surgeries and facing surgeries and chemo treatments and so many other maladies. Bless each one with your presence and your healing mercies. For these, Lord God, we ask your blessings of wisdom and strength, of resilience and perseverance, of healing and hope to be with each one. Through Christ, our glory and honor are yours, almighty God, and with the Holy Spirit, now and forever. And now, with both humility and boldness, together we pray the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, shared a meal with his disciples, and during the meal, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to God for the bread, and then he broke it open, saying, This is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, the sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this in remembrance of me. So every time that we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we are blessed to proclaim our Lord and Savior's saving death until he comes again. Friends, these are the gifts of God and they are for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite the servers to come forward. And I'll remind you that we will hold the bread until all have been served, and then we'll do the same with the cup.
turn to God in prayer. Holy God, in gratitude, in deep gratitude for this moment of shared space and time, in deep gratitude for this meal, these people, we give our thanks to you and we give ourselves to you. Transform us, Lord God, into the very people that you call us to be because we have shared the living bread and we cannot remain the same. Ask much of us. Expect much from us. Enable much by us. Encourage many through us. Make us strong in our Lord's service so that we may follow Christ Jesus faithfully wherever he leads. In his name we pray. Amen. Friends, go forth, go back into this world, living with the end in mind, hearing God's calling on your life and with hope in your heart. And as you go, may the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit of God abide with each and every one of you, binding you to one another and to Almighty God now and forevermore. And let God's people say, Amen.